to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to all of our regular listeners and all of our guest listeners. Um, Welcome to the Last Gen Podcast. Welcome to Last Gen Youth. My name's Alex Iaquinto. Um, If you don't know me, um, I'm a nobody. (laughs) I'm a nobody and he's he's a somebody. You know know what always ticked me off? Already already going down rabbit trails. Good Lord. You know that there was a song that came out a couple years ago and it's just so lame, but it's like, you always see like Christian TikTokers like standing in front of a camera, like mouthing the words, like they're pretending to worship. It goes, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. (laughs) We're all unworthy. (laughs) I'm just a nobody. Anyways, if you don't know me, (laughs) my name's Alex. Um, How, you ask, am I connected to Miracle Word Ministries? Well, if you didn't know this, um, evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. and Carolyn Shuttlesworth are my uncle and aunt, and I love them very much, and um, we're connected to uh, Miracle Word Ministries. Last Gen Youth is the youth branch of Miracle Word Ministries, and let me just tell you, lots of things are going on. Um, I don't want to like take up a ton of time in the intro letting you know about everything, but obviously we release a, a weekly podcast. Um, we do lives. Um, obviously, you know it's it's been a little bit infrequent in the uh, in the past two months and and uh, coming up in the pa- co- next couple of weeks. But that's just because I'm living in Texas and my schedule is nuts. But let me just tell you. Within the next couple weeks, um, things are going to be ramping up, and you don't want to miss it. I would tell you now, get involved, man. I just, I just got excited, like just now, thinking about like all that's about to happen. Um, but we, we're still doing things now, so, so get connected. Um, so that means like we're, we're doing obviously the podcast. Check out the Instagram; we do stuff on that. We're actually doing. Um, Friday morning Bible study. If you didn't know, every single Friday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time, 7 a.m. Eastern time, um, that's on the East Coast for all of my smart people. Um, For me, it's 6 a.m., but people are getting up all across the country, and what we're doing is we're studying the Bible together over Zoom, um, and we're learning not only like how to study the Bible, but we're we're tackling doctrines of the Bible. You know, because my, my thing was, you know, a lot of times it's it's hard for young people when they get saved or when they start going deeper into the things of God. They open the Bible and it's intimidating sometimes to them, and um, and it's so important that we don't just get into the uh, the the process of of just like reading a verse just to be encouraged. Now, listen, you know the Bible is encouraging, and I think a lot of the times an overemphasis is put on. Um, like in youth group and stuff like that, just like these one-off verses that are encouraging. Like a pastor will get up and say, how many know, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, you know, misquoting it anyways, or, you know, out of its context, but still quoting it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. So that's your subject for the week. I want you to, I want you to study that verse. 
And while that's good to study verses, it's so much more important to study doctrines. What do I mean by doctrines? Doctrines are the basic fundamental teachings of the Bible. The basic fundamental teachings of the Bible. What good does it do you to know Philippians 4.13 if you don't even know why Philippians 4.13? What good does it do you, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. What good is it for you to know that without knowing why? Why will you receive power? How will you receive power? What's the theology behind it? And so, I mean, take that verse, for example. That's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this past um, four weeks or five weeks, we've been um, tackling the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've been going over, um, we have a reading plan, seven chapters, you know, one chapter a day of Acts, and we got through it, and it was powerful. Um, Oh, remind me to tell you an amazing testimony. Not not like remind me, because I know I can't hear you, but... But so yeah, I'll tell you this testimony. I'm telling you, man, this is powerful. This is powerful. Um, miracle testimony from Friday morning Bible study. But so so jump on. You're really missing out if you don't wake up early and uh, and get on because powerful things are happening. Went over the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This next this coming up Friday. Um, it's Tuesday now when you're listening to this, most likely. Um, if not, it's Wednesday, Thursday. But this coming up Friday, um, July. What what is it going to be? Let me check. Let me check my calendar. All right, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This Friday, July 29th, um, we're going to be tackling, we're starting a new subject, divine healing. And man, am I pumped for this. I'm preparing hardcore for this, and I'm very excited. We're also doing a massive giveaway, so stay tuned about that. Um, And it's only for the people that are on Friday morning Bible study, so you don't want to miss it. If you, you know, want all the information, go to miracleword.com slash lastgen, and um, all the information is there with all the Zoom ID and passcodes. Let me tell you this testimony before we get into it. Um, I want to read this to you. So she gave me the um, permission to share this on, on the Instagram and everything, and man, when I saw this, when she told me this, I got shouting and running and dancing. A miracle testimony. Um and I'll read it to you. There's this girl named Chloe, and she's probably listening right now. Um, so, hey, Chloe. She uh, she just started going, uh, you know, joining the Friday morning Bible studies. You know, she, she hadn't joined before, and she said that she had tried Bible studies before, and they just weren't her thing. And so she was kind of reserved about, you know, she didn't know whether she wanted to try this. But she, she got on, not last week, um, yeah, the week before last week. So not this past Friday, but the week before. Um, so she got on. We did the Bible study. It was powerful. We ended up, you know, we finished Acts. Um, and I, we always pray at the end. We always pray together um, for prayer requests, and we just believe God together. And so when I asked for prayer requests at the end, um, she spoke up and she said, um, do you mind praying um, for my surgery that's happening this week? And she said, would you pray that God, you know, gives me peace through the surgery? Um, because I, because she had um, a self-harm scar, and I'm not telling you anything. She didn't already, like, you know, give us permission to, to uh, you know, post on the Instagram, and it's public, and hundreds of people have seen it already, and people have been blessed by it. But um, she had this large health self-harm scar um, on her arm, 
and it, it had healed incorrectly. So the doctors would have to go back in and um, you know fix it. I guess cut it open and re reheal it, right? But it was very visible. I'm gonna have to ask her for like the before and after pictures. But it was very visible. Um, it was. She said it was a blue scar, and she said, "Would you help? Would you pray that God would give me peace through this surgery?" And so I thought, you know, I, I would. I will. I'll pray for you. But I said this. How about we'll do we'll do one better, right? I'm not gonna pray that God's gonna give you peace through the through the surgery. All right, I'm not gonna pray that. I said, "Well, do you one better? Would you do you believe God with me?" Um, and then she, another one of her prayer requests. Um, she had been diagnosed with diabetes. Um, she says type one, um, and that she had checkups and stuff like that. So she had a full you know a full week of doctor's appointments, and so she said. You know, would you believe God with me that you know she He would give me peace throughout the surgery and peace throughout um, the checkups and stuff like that? And I said, no, I'm not going to pray that. How about we'll do this? We'll pray that you'll never have to worry about diabetes ever again. We're going to pray that God's going to heal you miraculously of diabetes. And so I said, would you believe God with me about that? And she said, you know, over Zoom, she said, yeah, yeah, we'll believe God. And so I said to everyone else, are we going to believe God about that? So yes, and so I had um, I had Zephan pray, and then I prayed, and so we were praying over all the prayer requests. And when it came to her, we prayed. We said, "Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that she'll never have to deal with diabetes again. We thank you that her blood um, sugar levels are going to normal, and her pancreas is going to function perfectly in the name of Jesus." And we said, "In Jesus' name, Amen." And so you know that was that. I hadn't really thought about it after that, and then the next week. You know, like a couple days later, you know, like six, seven days later, I get a, a DM from her and um, I told her to write out her testimony. And this is, let me just, let me just, t I'll just read it to you. This is powerful. This is her. So she said, so she said, I have, so I have dealt with diabetes since January of 2022. My sugar was constantly dropping and I was constantly having headaches. Friday, June 15th, I joined Friday morning Bible study and said, and said what was going on, and they prayed for me. The same day, I was supposed to have surgery on my arm because one of my old self-help, self-harm scars didn't heal right. So we prayed about it and believed for a miracle. I went to the doctor to have the surgery, and they couldn't find the scar. The scar completely disappeared. Also, my blood sugar hasn't dropped since that morning. They did some tests and my pancre on, on my pancreas to see what was going on, and my pancreas started working properly. So the scar I was supposed to have surgery on wasn't there anymore, and the diabetes that I used to have is no more. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing on that. Hallelujah. Self-harm scar completely disappeared. Diabetes completely gone. Hallelujah. I had someone swipe up on my story and say, um... I think you have it wrong. I don't think, you know, diabetes, you know, maybe it was just a fluke or, you know, it wasn't really diabetes because diabetes type one, you know, it, it can't just disappear like that. That's, that's not how it works. I said, yeah, technically I understand that's not how it works, but also, you know, technically it's impossible for a large scar to disappear from an arm, but that happened too. So it's much more logical just to believe that God did a miracle. Hallelujah. Praise God got me happy. Well, it's 11 minutes in. 
Are you happy about that? I'm happy about that. So I say that all that to say, join Friday morning Bible study. It's not some lethargic, like, you know, what are some ways that we can get closer to God? And two minutes of silence, and then some guy pipes up, a prayer? Mm, that's good. That's a good... No, I, I hate that. I can't even stand that. So that's not what we're doing. We're studying divine healing now. And this week is going to be powerful. And we're doing an exclusive giveaway. You don't want to miss it. So jump on. All the information is on the Instagram. So follow Last Gen Youth on Instagram. All right, let's get into it. You saw the title. Three reasons... Let me get my notes here. Three reasons you should read the Old Testament. Maybe I title it Three Reasons You Should Study the Old Testament or Why Reading the Old Testament is More Important Than You Think. Three reasons. Ready? The reason I did this um, topic is because in preparing for um, Friday morning Bible study in the in the divine healing topic, um, I've been studying F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth's book, Christ the Healer. Christ the Healer. And there's a chapter in it, in one of the weeks that we're going to deal with, um, one of the pillars of divine healing is that, you know, the reason we can believe it is because Jesus paid for our healing in the atonement, meaning that in the same stroke that he paid for our sins on the cross, he also paid for our physical healing. And he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. And so, it got me thinking and I started studying a book on covenants and I started studying some some commentaries and stuff like that and it, and it took me right back and I've done the study before but it took me right back into the Old Testament um, because that's where we find the basis for our belief in this um, and it's fulfilled in the New Testament. I think a lot of the times um, young Christians are very intimidated by the Old Testament like, tell me if that's you. If you've been reading through the Bible and you decide, I'm going to start in Genesis 1, I'm reading all the way through. Genesis, okay, you get to Genesis 50, you go through Exodus. Exodus is, is exciting, except when it comes to the, you know, it comes to the law and you have to read the, the placement of the showbread and the tables and the lampstands and the tabernacle. And oh boy, you get to Leviticus. And good Lord, Leviticus is a thick book. Not meaning super long, but it's it's thick. It's, you know, <laughs> it can get heavy with stuff like that. And people, once they get there, they kind of drop off and they, you know, they're like, okay, well, let's just read the Psalms. <laughs> let's just go to the Psalms. And so a lot of the times young Christians are intimidated by the Old Testament and they shy away from it and they just focus on the New Testament. Um, and don't get me wrong, the New Testament is very important. I cannot overstate the importance of the New Testament. It's the covenant in which we live, the new covenant. We're not living in Old Testament times. We're living in New Testament times. And the New Testament reveals the fullness of Jesus, right? But it is important not only that we read the New Testament, the life and the ministry of Jesus, the life and the ministry of the apostles and the early church and the epistles and the but it's and, and Revelation, but it's also important that we study the Old Testament. Why? Why is it important? Well, for starters, I want you to think about this. The early church, let's say the book of Acts. You know, the early church, the apostles, um, you know, the writers of the New Testament, early Christians, they did not have the New Testament. They did not have the New Testament. So you think, they gathered and read scriptures together. It says that. It says that um, in the book of Acts, they would daily, they devoted themselves 
um, to prayer and to the apostles' teaching, right? To breaking bread together and the apostles' teaching. The apostles read scripture. Paul told Timothy, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture. And so you ask, okay, scripture, what is that talking about? Is it the New Testament? No, the New Testament hadn't been written yet or was being written. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament. Early Christians only had the Old Testament. And I heard Benny Hinn say this one time. He was doing a study on seeing Jesus in all 66 books of the Bible. And he brought up this point that early Christians didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, they had oral stories, they had oral oral traditions, and maybe they even had written stories and some copies of it. But they didn't have the fullness of the Bible. They just had the Old Testament. So they had to see Jesus in the Old Testament. They had to see Jesus in the Old Testament. And you say, what What do you mean see Jesus in the Old Testament? He wasn't born until, you know, until 0 BC or whatever it is, you know, 5 BC, whatever you want to believe. Or 5 AD, not, not BC. Um, what do you mean? Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. Well, yes, he was. Jesus, first of all, Jesus was there in the beginning. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and that's Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And so Jesus has been there since the beginning, and you can see him throughout all books of the Bible. You don't have to get to Matthew to start seeing Jesus. In every book of the Bible, Jesus is revealed. The Old Testament is always pointing towards the cross, Everything in the Old Testament points towards the cross. Every prophecy, every um, poetry, every poem, every story, every narrative, every um, symbol, it all points towards the fulfillment of what Jesus did in his first coming and in his second coming. So, it's important that we understand, you know, the Old Testament. And I give you three reasons. There's three reasons you should read and study the Old Testament. Three main reasons. And this can be a hefty topic, um, but this gets me excited. It, this is one of the, the things that gets me, gets me excited. Like there's always something that um, a minister could tell you is near and dear to their heart. And some of these things that I'm about to tell you are very near and dear to my heart. It's what, you know, it's one of those topics that gets me excited and gets me shouting, and gets me running. So I'm going to share that with you. And I, I hope by the end of this, I can impart, and there's a plane flying. I hope by the end of this, I can impart the love that I have for the Old Testament to you. I don't believe that the Old Testament is antiquated and out of date. I don't believe that it's unimportant because we, you know, we're not under the law, brother. Yeah, we're not under the law. But the law was to point towards Christ. And you can see Jesus in the Old Testament. And there's still Old Testament promises that pertain to you. So, and it helps you understand the New Testament so much better. And we'll get into that. So, three reasons you should read and study the Old Testament. The first reason, if you're taking notes, the first reason you should read and study the Old Testament, number one, typology. Typology. T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y. Typology. And you say, what does that mean? What is typology? Well, typology, if you've ever been to Bible school or whatever, they teach you in Bible school on the subject. Typology just means the study of 
types and shadows of what is to come. And if you're still confused, a type and a shadow is something that is a symbol in the Old Testament, right? It's revealed in symbolism. It's revealed in, um, you know, it's not very clear, but it's, it's prophetically pointing towards the fulfillment of it, the fullness of it, just like a shadow, right? If you see a shadow on the ground, you can see the shape of it, right? Like if, if you walk outside at four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon, your shadow will be long across the ground. You can look at it. You know, I could look at your shadow and see the shape of you, right? Um, I can see, you know, oh, it's a, you know, it's a person. He has a head. He has a, you know, arms and legs. But I could not tell you from the shadow, you know, what your skin tone looked like. I could not tell you from the shadow what your eye color looked like or the shape of your nose. You know, I couldn't tell you, you know, what color your hair was. So I could see the shape of it, just a shadow, a, 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 I see in part. But if I were to look to the image, the fulfillment, the thing that was casting the shadow, then I would see all the detail, right? And just like that in the Old Testament, we see pictures, right? Pictures of Jesus, pictures of the New Testament, shadows, things that are to come, symbols, but are later fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So typology, I'll give you an example. Three reasons you should study the Old Testament. Number one, understanding typology. I'll give you an example. This is a very easy example. Exodus chapter 12. This is the story of the Passover. The Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and God said he would break them out. He said... Um, he gave them instructions about the Passover, right? He sent the ten, pla- 10 plagues on Egypt, and he, you know, he told Moses to go tell Pharaoh to let his people go. He said no, he said no, he said no. And finally, God sent the last plague on Egypt, right? The last plague. And this is where we see the Passover story. Jews still to this day celebrate the Passover. The Passover story. But when you read this, this is why it's so important for the, you know, to understand this fully. Because you could read all these laws and all these, you know, requirements and, okay, uh, you know, I can see, you know, it's, it's a sheep without spot or blemish, whatever. This is just oddly specific. You know, you have to drain the blood from its neck, you know, apply the blood to the doorpost of your home. You know, you can't break any of its bones. It just sounds like why? Like, you know, it's oddly specific. That's why unbelievers get caught up and, you know, you've got weird laws in the Bible, um, you know, and you can get into Leviticus and say, like, why, you know, the Day of Atonement, and you can get all into these requirements and laws. But it's so much more exciting to read that when you understand why, why God is saying that. And this will just show you a quick, a quick picture of why. So the Passover. We'll start in, um, we'll just start in chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for, for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that one that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor should take according to the number of persons, according to what each... Good Lord. We'll just skip down. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, okay, this is where I wanted to do it. Verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood 
of the lamb and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of their house in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Listen to this. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all of the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you and destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Man. That's powerful. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so you could read that and think that's oddly specific. Why all those requirements for the lamb? Why does it have to be spotless? Why does it have to have no blemishes or no spots on it? Well, the reason is God is showing a shadow and a type of what is to come. Right here, he's talking about the Passover. He said, the angel of death is going to pass through Egypt. And he said, I will strike down every firstborn in that, in that nation, both beasts and man. But if I see the blood of the lamb, the blood of the spotless lamb, I will pass over you. I will not execute judgment on you. Is he just talking about, you know, the Exodus story? Is he just talking about the Passover? No, he's pointing towards what is to come. So that's the shadow, but the fulfillment. Jesus, the Bible says, is our Passover lamb. Paul said, Christ, our Passover, has sacrificed for us. The Bible always paints a picture of Jesus being the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Why, why did God say a, a spotless lamb without without spot or wrinkle, without any blemishes, because Jesus was a spotless man. No sin, no blemishes. He wasn't stained by sin. He was a perfect man. And so they said, when, when you take the blood of the lamb, take the spotless lamb, drain its blood, paint it on the doorpost of your home. Paint it on the doorpost of your home. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And what happens in the New Testament? When we apply the blood of Jesus, when we accept the sacrifice of Jesus, the spotless lamb, the judgment of God, the Bible says we are not them that are appointed unto wrath. The judgment of God and the wrath of God has been satisfied for us. And in the same way, God at the end of the age will, sat, will execute judgment on unbelievers. But if he sees the blood on your life, he will pass over you. Man, that's powerful. So don't ever read the Exodus story like it's just some old antiquated, okay, that you know how to work. No, no, no. He's speaking. He's pointing towards the ultimate sacrifice. We're not talking about a lamb anymore. We're talking about the king of kings who became a lamb, led to the slaughter. And the entire Exodus story is, is one of my favorite books in the Bible because the whole thing is a picture of salvation. If you look at it, I mean, like, think about this. Think about this. Get, get this. Get this in your spirit. Get it in your mind. 
the whole Exodus story, right? The Israelites, God's chosen people, were in slavery in Egypt. What does Egypt, Egypt represent? Egypt represents the world and sin. Israel represents believers, right? And God raised up Moses as a deliverer, right? I mean, think about even Moses. Think about, think about this, man. I know it may be getting deep, but think about this. Moses, at the beginning of his life, right, um, Pharaoh tried to kill all the newborns, kill all the newborns. And Moses' life was spared. His mother put him in, in, a, in a basket, set him down the river, right? And he grew up in the house of the world, right? He grew up in the house of the Pharaoh. In the same way, Jesus, when he was born, God raised up a deliverer, the final deliverer. Herod tried to kill all the babies. His life was spared. He grew up in the house of the world. He grew up just like us, as a human just like us had temptations just like us. And what happened with Moses? God raised him up to do miracles, signs, and wonders. What happened with Jesus in his earthly ministry? Miracles, signs, and wonders. Moses, God used him to set Israel free. Jesus, God used him to set people free from the bondage of sin. And what did God do with Israel? He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out of slavery and brought them in to the promised land. What did he do with Jesus? He, he used Jesus. He brought us out of the world. He brought us out. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So you see, there's, there's a duality in scripture. You always have to see that. You can't just read it as a one-off story. Ask yourself in the Old Testament, what is this pointing to? What is the symbolism here? Always understand when you see, you know, a lamb in the Old Testament, most likely it's pointing towards Jesus. When you see blood, it's talking about covenant, right? So Exodus is a huge picture of salvation. And I love what it says in the book of Psalms. Speaking of Exodus, um, the Exodus, when, when God brought his, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, he said, he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among their tribe. Well, right there we see a picture of salvation. He brought them out, right? That's salvation. With silver and gold, that's the blessing, the prosperity of God. And there was not one feeble or weak among their tribe. That's the healing of God. And so you see the atonement in the Old Testament. You see the cross in the Old Testament. Okay, get this. Hold on, listen. Okay, I'm not done. Listen, we'll, we'll move on from this. I, I know, time's short. I understand. We're already at 30 minutes. But um, how many, you all know the story of, of the prophet um, Balaam and the king Balak. Well, Balak, the king, he was an evil king. He tried to get Balaam to curse the people of God. And he said, I want you to curse the people of God. And Balaam said, you know, I have to inquire of the Lord first. And so he went up on a mountain and he looked down on the camp of, of Israel. And he said, Lord, you know, he tried to curse them. But the Lord said this to Balaam. He said, I found no fault with my people. He said, I have blessed, the Lord has blessed them and no one can reverse it. And Balaam said to Balak, I cannot curse what God has blessed. Many of you know that story. But what's interesting to me is where he was standing. He was standing looking over the camp of Israel, right? And he didn't just see a bunch of tents, you know. They were in the wilderness, so they had tents. He didn't just see a bunch of, um, you know, scattered tents. If you study the way that the tents were set up, the tribes of Israel, right? They had, um, 
let me let me see if I can get this right. It was three tribes on the left. It was the tabernacle in the middle. Three tribes on the left. Three tribes on the right. Three tribes. Um, I think I'm right about this. Three tribes at the top, and what does that leave? Three, six, nine, and then three tribes on the bottom. I think I'm right about this. Um, but when he looked over the camp. And obviously, the, the tribes were at the bottom were, were double in size, if you, if you study it. So when he looked over the camp, he wasn't just seeing tents. He saw a picture of the cross. The way that the camp was laid out looked like the cross. So when he saw the cross, he said, I cannot curse what God has blessed. Isn't that powerful? And you'll miss all of that if you don't study the Old Testament. You'll miss all of it. One, one more, one more, one more, because I literally, I can't, I can't get off this. One more. One more uh, typology. Many of you know the story of Jesus talking to Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night in John chapter 3. We'll turn there real quick. This is where we get the famous verse, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? We quote that all the time, but Nicodemus, let's read it. All right. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God and no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now understand this. Okay, this is it. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him. Now listen to this. Jesus answered him. Are you the the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't even understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you even believe if I told you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He's speaking of himself. And listen to this, John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus refers back to a story in the Old Testament. The Israelites had, it's in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. The Israelites, or 22, um, the Israelites were complaining against God and complaining against Moses. So God sent poisonous serpents into the wilderness to bite the complainers. Right? And they were dying, dying, dying. And God gave a commandment to Moses. Moses, fashion a brazen serpent or a bronze serpent, right? Cast a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and lift it up. Whoever gazes upon the serpent shall be healed. And so he would lift up the serpent, and they would look at the serpent, and they were healed. Now, the serpent in the Bible represents sin and represents Satan. 
It represents sin and it represents a curse, right? Because God cursed the serpent in the wilderness. I mean, in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the garden. It, it, it's, a, it's a symbol for sin. And so Jesus was referring back to the story and he said, just, set, just like Moses lifted up that serpent, I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up that whoever looks upon me or whoever believes on me will have eternal life. Well, what was he comparing himself to? Sin? That can't be. How could Jesus be pictured as a serpent? Well, you read later, it says, the Bible says, Jesus being made a curse for us. He was made a curse. He who knew no sin became sin on the tree, on the cross. And that's how you see a picture of healing. Just like the Israelites were healed by looking at the serpent, Jesus said, when I'm lifted up on the cross, everyone who believes on me in the same way. And that gets me excited. Maybe this is too deep for you. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm going too far. But listen, this is the stuff that gets me excited. And this is what you, you should definitely, definitely study more about. Okay, so typology. You see what typology is. Types and shadows of things that are to come. Number two, understanding Jewish concepts. Understanding Jewish concepts. Since I took so much time on typology, I won't, I won't go super deep into the next two. Um, but understanding Jewish concepts. It would be crazy for us to read the New Testament like the Old Testament never existed. And that's what many people do. They read the New Testament like the Old Testament doesn't exist. Like they read the New Testament like there's no different culture, there's no different time period. They read it like it happened today. But newsflash, the New Testament did not happen in 21st century America. The culture was not, you know, the pop, the pop culture of today. It was a way different culture. And their customs were different, and their traditions were different, and their concepts were for, are foreign to us. So just an example here. If we don't read the Old Testament, we have no understanding of covenant. That's something that we don't really do nowadays. We don't, ha- we don't make blood covenants. Unless you have. I mean, have you made a blood covenant recently? <laughs> have you promised your mom that you were going to do the dishes? I promise when I get home, I'll do the dishes. How do I know that you promise? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice an animal. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to drain the blood into a basin. And that's how you'll know. We'll make a blood covenant together. No, that's, a, that's not a concept that we use today. But it's something that was super um, applicable to the people, the Jewish people that were the original authors and the original um, hearers of the New Testament. So when they read all these things about Jesus um, satisfying the wrath of God, Jesus becoming a curse, for it is written, cursed is every man who's hung on a tree. When, when you understand, you know, um, like, like why all these things happen, like when you understand how Jesus rode in um, on a donkey into Jerusalem for the Passover, you understand all these things, they're Jewish concepts, just like covenant. We don't understand covenant. The Jews understood covenant. So they understood the new covenant. They, understood, they understand covenant way better than anyone else. Because they used it, and if we don't study the Old Testament, and we don't study how, what they're, you know, it's like, it's a backdrop. It's a backdrop. You have to understand the backdrop upon which the New Testament is written. The understanding of their culture and day, or else it's just going to be foreign to us. 
and we'll take things out of context and we'll, and we'll say things that talk about stuff we don't even know about. So you have to read the Old Testament, right? And the number two was for understanding Jewish concepts. Understanding, like here's an example, understanding the Day of Atonement. That was a big Jewish feast, a big Jewish celebration, a ritual, the Day of Atonement. Understanding Passover, right? That's a Jewish concept. Jesus specifically chose to die on Passover. Understanding the feast, the day of Pentecost, right? That was a Jewish concept. That's not, that didn't start in Acts chapter 2. That was a Jewish festival. And it was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. So all of these things God does with intent and he does with purpose. He doesn't just choose random days. All of these feasts, you'll understand them when you read the Old Testament, right? So number one, to understand typology. Number two, to understand Jewish concepts. Number three, one of my favorites, understand messianic prophecy. To understand messianic prophecy. What does messianic mean? Pertaining to the Messiah, Jesus. There's a ton of prophecy in the Old Testament that points towards Jesus. And like I said, this is all they had in the early church. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They just had the Old Testament. So they had to see Jesus. They had to see the promises. They had to see the prophecies. And they had to understand it. That's why anytime you see someone preach in the book of Acts or in the New Testament, they quote Old Testament scriptures. It is what is fulfilled, right? Just like um, Peter, who stood up on the day of Pentecost. This, they're not drunk as you suppose, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is the fulfillment of it. That's prophecy. To give you an example of this messianic prophecy, um, one of the most exciting you know, pictures of it is um, in Psalm 22. Now, this is commonly referred to as the crucifixion psalm. The crucifixion psalm, right? There's so much prophecy in this psalm that even unbelievers look at this psalm that was written thousands and thousands of years before the crucifixion and marvel at the fact that it was fulfilled with such specificity before crucifixion was ever invented as a mode of torture. Let's read it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is, this is David, prophetically speaking, in the place of Jesus. Watch this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? By the way, that's what Jesus said on the cross. He said, um, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which I hope I pronounced that right. And that's, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he's quoting this. So we know that's, this is exactly what he's talking about. Why are you so far from me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry day by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. You, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In your fathers, and you our fathers trusted, and they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, and they trusted, and they were not put to shame. Okay, listen to this. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by my people. Does that ring a bell? Despised by my people. The Jewish people rejected Jesus. All who see me mock me. What were they doing to Jesus on the cross? They were mocking him. 
right? They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. That's what they said to Jesus on the cross. If you are the son of God, come down from that cross. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for my trouble is near, and there is no help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. What does that mean? Many bulls encompass me. If you, if you study it, that bulls are a, um, a, a, a term for, for Gentiles, right? Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. Who is at the foot of the cross? Jews, but also Gentiles, Roman Gentiles. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roaring lions. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Poured out like water. They thrust a spear through his um, side. What poured out? Blood and water. And all my bones are out of joint. Now think about crucifixion. When they crucified someone, the thing that killed them was not blood loss. It was not um, pain. It was asphyxiation. And so when you hung on the cross that way, all of your bones would come out of joint. The way you were hanging. They would come out of joint. Because they were hanging and pulling on the joints and they would just give out. Right? My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. That's speaking of heart failure. That's what would happen to those who uh, endured crucifixion. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus was thirsty, so they put you know a sponge on a stick. Man, you can't make this up. This is like word, this is crazy. For dogs encompass me, another term for Gentiles. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. This was hundreds and hundreds of years before crucifixion was ever invented. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Listen to this. I can count all of my bones. Well, why could Jesus count all of his bones? Because not one bone in his body was broken. And even typically in crucifixion, they would break their legs. But when they came along to Jesus to try to break his legs, he was already dead. So not one bone in his body was broken. That's why he could count them. And they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And they can't, and for my clothing, they cast lots. That's exactly what the Roman soldiers did at his crucifixion. They literally gambled for his clothing. And that wasn't customary of, of crucifixion. Typically, they would rip it up, but since Jesus wore such expensive clothing, they gambled for it. This is insane. This is insane. And it goes on, and still more. It's still more uh, prophecy. But think about that. There's so much prophecy in the Old Testament that points towards Jesus that it's insane. And if you don't read that prophecy, you won't get the full picture of what Jesus did. And the full scope of what he was doing on the cross. He didn't just die some random death. It was planned. It was prophetic. Everything that Jesus did was prophetic. Was to fulfill prophecy. So I want you to understand. I hope you've, you've gotten from this. I know it's been deep. I know, I know I've been talking about some, some pretty deep stuff. And maybe some of it's gone over your head. But, but you guys are smart people. I don't, I don't believe that it did. I believe that you understand. And I hope 
that you have now a love for the Old Testament like I do. These are just three reasons that you should read the, the Old Testament. But I hope that, that when you start doing your devotions, that you would look deeper. Look into commentaries. Look, you know, study it. Study it for real. Look deeper into why these things are said. It's not just some random feast. It's a pointing towards Jesus. So I hope, I hope that that blessed you in some way. I know it was deep, but, but listen. And I think it's necessary. That's why I'm never afraid to go deep with you guys, because you guys are smart people. I know it. Typically, you know, when people are dealing with youth, <laughs> they try to dumb down everything, and I hate that. I hate that so much. Why would you dumb down things? When most, most young people are smarter than the youth pastors that, that teach them. So, I mean, come on. I'm not dumbing down everything. You guys can grasp all this. If you need to go back and take notes, go back and take notes. But this is very important. And thanks for sticking on with me. I appreciate it. I love you guys. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your written word. We pray that, like you said in Ephesians, that you give us a spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation of you. That scripture would start to pop out at us and that you'd speak to us through your word. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Listen. I love you. Thanks for sticking on. Check out what's going on at The Last Gen. Follow us on Instagram, Last Gen Youth on Instagram. Listen, be on for that Bible study this Friday. We're doing a huge giveaway. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a big giveaway. Um, and you have to be on to win. You can't, there's no recordings of the live streams. There's no, you know, I'm not going to post it later and you can tag three people and win. No, it's going to be people that are on the live stream or on the Zoom. So, so get on that. All the information is on the Instagram. You'll see it on one of the graphics, Friday morning Bible study um, at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Friday. All right. If you have any questions or you want, you want to receive text updates, by the way, we're doing text updates. You want my personal number, go to superphone. Oh, wait, no, is it lastgen.superphone.io? Let me see here. It's lastgen, L-A-S-T-G-E-N dot superphone, S-U-P-E-R-P-H-O-N-E dot I-O, literally the letter I-N-O, and fill out the form, and you'll get texts from me, text updates on when we release things and when we're doing giveaways and stuff like that, but you don't want to miss it, and you can send in prayer requests and testimonies straight to my personal number, all right? I love you guys. Um, I hope you have a great week, and I, I'll, uh, I'll check back in with you. We'll see, we'll see a lot of each other. All right, guys. Love you. Talk to you later.